0: The Rockets started off shooting the lights out, but Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray were just too much. And hey, the bench played pretty well. This is Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your Daily Devon Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for making this part of your day. We are free and available on all platforms for your first listen. You can catch us on Spotify and YouTube and all sorts of places. If you want to join the show, you can go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube and... Hit that subscribe and notifications button. You'll be able to join the show and hang out with all sorts of cool folks hanging out with us in the chat daily. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the Senior NBA Writer for the Action Network. Joined, as always, by Adam Mares. You can find him on Twitter at Adam underscore Mares. And check out all of his great content over at DNVR, as well as the pre- and post-game shows before and after every Nuggets game from the DNVR bar, which if you're not going to and you go out like a young person does you should definitely go out. Although Adam goes there, and Adam's an old, like me. So, I am an old. So uh, you, oh, the youngs and the olds can both enjoy the DNVR bar. Today we're going to talk about the Nuggets win over the Houston Rockets. We'll get into where we think Jamal Murray is at after 20 games, after Nicole was very – everyone was, was very delighted by the fact that, that Jamal Murray had a great game. Uh, on exactly the 21st game after the first 20 games last night after Nicola said he would be uh, he would be bad for those first 20 games. Uh, and in the third segment, I asked Michael Malone about defense in the pregame, and his, his answer was illuminating, I thought. And so um, not in, incredibly insightful, but a little bit illuminating. And so wanted to t- talk about that as well today. We'll start by breaking down the net game versus the Houston Rockets. And I had to leave early because uh, I knew it was going to snow up in the North Country here in Colorado. And um, yeah. i have done 25 in the snow, and – It's not a safe place to be um and so i went ahead and and took off at halftime um and so i caught up this morning i will tell you that i wasn't i didn't think it was i wasn't like they're gonna lose this game at half but i was like they better stop jerking around or the rockets are gonna catch them and i honestly when i went back and and watched second half i i thought that they they genuinely uh i thought their their attention to detail in the second half was much better as well as Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray just absolutely dominating an inferior team.
1: Yeah, I mean, the defense stepped up just a tiny amount because the first half it was zero. Like on a scale of one to 10, the first half was a zero. I just thought like the second half was a five. I didn't even think it was. There are some games where the team locks in and they're flying around and everybody's connected. I didn't even feel like it was that. I just felt like that first half, especially the first five minutes of this game, it looked like, an exhibition game with the the intensity level. Yeah. And I have to give credit, it's funny. I texted you at halftime or we were texting each other and I said, "Hey, I haven't watched Houston this year. Do they always move the ball like this?" Cuz I was just so impressed with how they were making the extra pass and sometimes it's easy to move the ball and make the extra pass when you make everything and that's sort of what happened. So, chicken or egg? Did Houston find a rhythm because Denver's defense was so bad? Probably. But then they maintained that rhythm because they were so rewarded by making every shot, and Denver got caught in a cycle. Thankfully, come out of halftime, you play a little bit of defense and break that cycle. And Houston's not good enough that if you get up by seven, eight, nine points, they're not really good enough to, to get back into the game.
0: Yeah. Uh, by the way, I want to shout out Colton here. He says he flew in from Montana to watch his first Nuggets game last night, and it was an amazing feeling. Was hyped to see Jamal go off like he did. That's, it's awesome. Awesome. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So my big my, my big thing, I thought like everybody was just like a step slow in the first half and was very much just like, uh, oh, I'm contesting. Uh, and then like, oh, you made it. Um, okay. They did not take them seriously in the first half. And, I, and you're right that I don't think that they locked in and were like flying around second half. What I do think is they just were basically like, okay, let's, let's make it a little bit harder for them to find. Because you asked me at halftime, you're like, do they always play like this? And I was like, no. Like they're usually very sloppy and they have poor shot discipline. And then You're, in the like, half, yeah. you saw that where they really were just like, yeah, we're hitting all these threes. So now I can just shoot whatever. And it's like, no, no, you need to still work for it. If you worked for it, you couldn't because they hung him for most of that third. And then they let go of the rope at the third. And then right. the fourth quarter was just them chucking. And
1: George Carl always says the scariest thing for a team, for a basketball team is when you can't score the ball. And I think one of the things that happens with this Nuggets team is when they play a team like Houston, who's horrible. I mean, talk about Denver's bad defense. Houston was just as bad on defense. Like They were were on fire on offense, but their defense was ridiculous. And so I think there's probably a thing with players like Jokic, players like Jamal, where you're like, man, even if they score on us, we're just going to score on them. Like, there's no urgency. There's no fear. And I think they played that first half like that of, well, maybe they'll miss. But we'll score every time, so it doesn't even matter if they make or miss because we're just going to keep scoring. And finally, they played a little defense. And I'm telling you, Matt, this is the reason it's important is Houston is not a good team. Although I do think that they have some fun players. Like Shangun's a fun player. They have some guys on that team that I think if they build right, and I don't know if they are, but if they build right, they could turn into a good team in years down the line. But the thing is, Denver's or Michael Malone's goal of being a top five defense, last night was an example of why that's a no-hoper. Not just because they're 24th in defense, but because I think Michael Malone has a goal to be a top five defense, create habits, this or that. And I think the team seems to have a, we can play defense when we need to, and we're going to demonstrate that throughout the year. Those two things aren't congruent. And last night was the ultimate example of it.
0: You have to to be really dedicated on the defensive end. And it takes a lot out of you. And if you're presented with the options, I think you want to be great offensively. Because of the talent that you have, it's easier that they're, they're best suited for that. And so I think that that's like, that makes a lot of I think you're right on that. I think that there is an as absence of that. Uh, in the third quarter, Nikola Jokic, seven of seven from the field, uh, four rebounds, three assists, 16 points, and a plus 13. Uh, the flurry at the end was really what put it away. Um, only drew two free throws in that, in that period, which was uh, surprising considering how overwhelming he was. For poor uh, Al Alpern did a really good job in that first half. And he picked up his fourth foul, and that was pretty much a hit for Houston. It wasn't, like... The problem was, like, Alpern did a very good job on offense, and he got... Like, he knocked the... He made, he forced, like, two misses on Joker in the first half. What was interesting was, like, Joker wasn't frustrated. Joker was just like, okay, missed that one. Like, Joe. It, it like it's easy to say that knowing that they won the game, but my opinion was very much the Joker was like, I am not bothered by this at all. Like I am not frustrated. And, and to his credit, he I'm never not was.
1: frustrated. Because here's what's interesting to me is I thought Shangun went at him the way young players go at the great yeah. players. Like hey, this is and we Shangun has said in the past that I, Jokic is one of his favorite players. You could tell this was one of those ones of like I want to show. That, like, hey, I'm modeling myself after this guy, and I'm trying to go at him and try, you know, whatever. And I did feel like, one, he did get Jokic in the first half. He had some really nice moves on him. He had some good plays. But you could tell that Jokic was kind of like, all right. I I just felt like Jokic was a little extra aggressive in in a spot where he's not typically aggressive in those ones. Like, Jokic picks his spots of when to be aggressive, and it's not usually against the Houston Rockets.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, because they you know they, they I, I commented on this, um, KPJ, the Rocket I, I Rockets reporter asked Silas before the game that KPJ they actually call Goon baby joker. And Silas was talking about the comparison between them and he was like, I can see the comparison. Silas was very quick to be like, He's a two time MVP, so there's a lot of ways to go. Um you know, just way huger. I mean, and that's part. That's, I, I
1: said this on I, last night show. Shangun reminds me much more of Boris Diaw than he does of Nikola Jogic, who I compare those two all the time. Hmm. But there's a difference when you're a seven footer.
0: I actually I did a deep dive on on Shang-Gun this summer. My comparison was much more. I think he's much more Sabonis. Demonis. I think he's much more Sabonis. Um, I mean, those, but they're the same. To me, they're very similar as well. Yeah. It's just it's more a matter of just like Boris. I think a lot of it is like uh, Boris became. Wider as his <laughs> career went on, and so Shangguan's not wide, right? Like Shangguan's just a very like he's very up and down, and it means, and it also kind of shows where whether there's this debate amongst Rocket's fans about well about whether the problem is is that Silas isn't building Shangguan as the hub, or whether sh- yeah. uh, Shangguan can be the hub. I think it's both. Like I don't see Shangguan being like one of the reasons I don't. I I kind of blanch at the Joker comparison. I get it. Is that I don't think Shangoon can be like I don't think he can. I think he handles trigger actions and he does certain things very well and he can pass, but I don't see the same innate understanding that you saw from Joker, uh, even at Shang-Goon's age.
1: I don't. I don't know, man. I I really like Shang-Goon and I like what he's doing, so I don't want to say that. The thing is that's different. Again, is Jokic is so big that you just can't switch against him. It's such a. You you can't put even a small forward on, like LeBron James. You can't switch LeBron onto Jokic because Jokic will just punish him in the post. I think you could switch LeBron onto Shingun. And he might score on you a time or two, but it's not going to tip the scales to where you have to full-on panic. And I just looked it up. You know, Shingun, he's listed at 6'9 and 6'11, so I don't know which one. But his wingspan, for whatever it's worth, Mm -hmm. is seven feet. Jokic, 7'3. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. When you're talking about centers – Three inches, you know, it's just a lot. I'm sure the standing reach, all of those things. So Jokic, a true center. Shangun more of a, like, small center. And that's just makes a difference for this particular thing. But I like Shangoon. I do think Houston could probably play through him a little bit more just because I think he is such a good player. But they're a young team still trying to give everybody I, – I don't know that they have their identity of the future established yet.
0: Before we uh, take a break and talk about Jamal, do you see what I was saying about shot discipline, about how in that second half they just, like – the, uh, to me, they they in the first half, I really thought that they were finding rhythm, and that was like the Nuggets allowed them Houston? to find rhythm. Yeah.
1: Oh, it disappeared. Like, yeah. It was it was funny because I was so impressed, that I almost like I get disappointed because I love when teams play you know not the right way when they play a team game you know when yeah. they make smart reads and this that and I was watching when that first half and I was so impressed and I was like man is this Houston that may, maybe I'm intrigued by Houston the second half they were the team I thought they were just making dumb plays, selfish plays. And I was just
0: like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the problem. Uh, all right, let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about Jamal Murray's big night as well as we'll take a look at where he is relative to our expectations at this point in the season. We'll do that when we come back Unlocked on Nuggets. First, I've got to tell you about Tarot. Tarot is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace, and with Tarot, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. You get to browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia. You can book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Whenever I book a car on a road like, did this at Thanksgiving, got to get an SUV for the kids if... I go for the medium size to save on the money, but I need the kids to be separated in the back. I got two. I can't have them next to each other. It's just gonna be constant fighting and distracting. Uh, get a spacious or a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday or holiday. If you want to splurge it a little bit, you can find affordable economy cars. If you're on a budget and just want to get from A to B test drive, that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits your everyday life. Many tarot hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed with liability insurance terms, conditions and exclusives apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at tarot.com. We'll be right back on nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for making us your first listen. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Back here with Adamara. Second segment for a Tuesday. All right, uh, let's talk about Jamal. Who Jamal Murray last night? Thirty-one points, eleven of seventeen from the field, four of eight. Five of six in the line, did a really good job in the third quarter of of getting to the free throw line. Uh, Five assists and a solid only uh, two turnovers, a steal on the block and a plus seven on the old plus minus. Uh, I thought there were moves in that first half, the crossover double step flip uh finger roll at the rim was to me particularly impressive that was one of the cooler shots I've seen him make this season um I thought Jamal like look it was just really cool to see Jamal back like Jamal look, that's the player that people want to see Jamal be like two years ago people wanted to see Jamal be that guy on a night-to-night basis Right. To be like very consistently at that level. Um, and it was cool to see Jamal take advantage of, of a weak Rockets defense and get into his bag. He also just looks more and more comfortable. He looks more and more confident in his body. And that's cool to see for a guy that has gone through so much in terms of recovering from the injury.
1: Yeah, it really was. I mean, I, I really do think that he is, you know, his chemistry with Jokic has been back for a while. Uh, his confidence, I think, is a big part of what we saw yesterday is he just looked like a confident player. Um, he was attacking, he was getting to the basket, getting to his spots, pulling up, taking threes that were kind of difficult, but knocking them down. Cause he felt, you know, in rhythm. So to me, those are the things I was interested though. Did you listen to Michael Malone's post game presser at all? Because I was interested in how much he criticized Jamal. <laughs> and I, I mean, he criticized him basically, I think in a way of saying, Hey, he's got so much more, like he's going to contribute in so many more ways. And he pointed out the rebounds, just two rebounds in last night's game. I think he's really referencing the defense and, oh, he's going to help us in so many more ways because he was very adamant that Murray is not back, that there are more levels to where he'll fully be back from what he's at right now, um, which I think is encouraging. But I thought last night he just looked confident. He looked comfortable. He was getting those spots. And this is a string of games now in a row outside of the game sandwiching his COVID. Um, Outside of those ones, there's a string of games here where I think he's actually looked really good.
0: I wonder if some of this is that that's how Jamal's wired where he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be like, Oh, good for you. Like you came back, like you had such a terrible injury. And Jamal instead like wants it to be just like, no, like I didn't play as well as I can like keep the, keep the standards. That sounds much more like how Jamal's wired. Right. Like that. Yeah. And that, and that kind of vibes with it. I, I don't know. Jamal, Malone has gone so far out of his way to lower expectations for Jamal in terms of like, he's the opposite of a hype man where he's like, instead been like, well, it's gonna be really rough. It's gonna be really difficult. And like, doesn't want to, you know, do these things. Um, I thought Jamal's defense actually in the first half was a large part of their issue. Jamal had, he went from some, some, some steals and gambles early. You could tell that the nuggets also in that first half, this is, sorry, this is more about our first half, first segment conversation, but that they were like, if we could just turn this team over, that turns the ball over a lot. And that was probably part of the, the pregame, um, like scouting report is, Hey, this team turns the ball over a ton Then we can just get downhill and this could be easy. But the problem was like, they missed on those gambles and that led to open threes. But again, I thought Jamal in the, in the second half, actually defensively, I thought he was a guy that was a lot more locked in and intent. Like he stayed, he was pretty physical with them like that. I thought that that third quarter from Jamal, he didn't shoot as well as he did in the first half, but I thought he really was aggressive and he, he set the tone for that, that third quarter, which I thought was, was good. Um, big picture. Hold on, is hold doing... on.
1: Before we get the big picture, because I do see this in the comments from a couple different people, and I agree with it. He did. Jamal Murray got hot in the third quarter, or he got hot the whole game. In the third quarter, he started going off, and you could tell he started feeling himself a little bit because he did. There was a stretch there where he was like hunting for his own shot, and I think it's fine. He had it going. It' his first thirty point game since recovering from injury. A guy's gonna like try to get his shots up, but it is one thing I'll just keep my eye on because I've said the Jokic Murray two man game is Denver's best offense. But if it's your only offense, I can cannibalize you. I don't think it mattered last night. It's going to matter more when Michael Porter and Bones Highland are back in the rotation, which they weren't last night. But it is just something to kind of take note of, Of hey, he got going. And there was a run there where it actually hurt the Nuggets because he missed a couple in a row and he just kept gunning, kept looking for a shot because he was feeling it.
0: Do you feel like in the NBA with the quality of players and the way that the team is constructed where Jamal is considered a star? Right. Do you think it is reasonable for them to every single possession dedicate to or not even every single uh, for 90? I don't know what the percentage would be for them to dedicate themselves to, like, being within the confines of what they want, of what that offense is most of the time. So like, how so much, much, much of a leeway do you give for individual shot creation, individual creativity, individual... Um, outside of the boundaries of essentially Jokic ball? Like how much, how much leeway do you give? there?
1: Here's what's interesting about that. And this is why I think Jokic is so funny. And the way we talk about him is so funny is Jokic this year for the most part has been like tr- very clearly trying to get other people involved at the expense of his own scoring. And sometimes at the expense of the team scoring, right? I think that the trick is, Everybody on the team has to respect and understand that when a player like Murray has it going or Jokic has it going, that, hey, we just ride that. Like, hey, this maybe you run the Jokic two-man game in that third quarter, 10 possessions in a row because you scored on 10 possessions in a row and everyone has to be comfortable with that. What I thought happened in that third quarter, Denver opened up like a 12-point lead or something like that. And Murray took like three or four shots in a row that he missed all of them. And I think that's the balance is you have to like, you're on fire, you miss one, okay. Come down, you miss the next one. Okay, maybe then just try to go away for a bit. Just like let guys know, like, all right, you gave me these ten possessions in a row because I was feeling it. I missed a couple. Let's try something else out. So I just think it's a constant balancing act. Again, last night because there was no Michael Porter, I don't think, and Aaron Gordon was out the game too. I think I don't know if it was Vlaco Chanchar or Zeke or who who came in from, but like I don't think KCP cared. I don't think Bruce Brown cared, and I don't think Zeke Naji or Vlaco cared. So it's not a big deal. But if that was Michael Porter and you missed two in a row after I stood in the corner and watched you score 10 points in a row, I probably think like, all right, let's try something else out. You ran that to at Zenith. Let, let's try something else out. It's a small note. It's just a little one. Just, it sounds like a complaint. It's just to, to maximize this team. Those notes are going to become more and more important. I think.
0: Uh, relative to what you expected. Where is Jamal at this point in the season? It's a great question.
1: Relative to what I expected, I would say he's ahead in terms of his offensive impact, his chemistry with Jokic and just his like shot making. He's ahead of where I expected. I would say he's behind what I expected from a conditioning standpoint. And Michael Malone has referenced this. I just thought he would be in better shape. I didn't think that would be a challenge like that. That I, I just thought he would come into the season a little bit more in shape. And so these other things might take longer to ramp up, but the physical part of it would be there. So I'm going to say in aggregate, I think he's ahead of where I expected, slightly ahead of where I expected, but I still think like, I want to see what a hyper-athletic Jamal looks like. I've made comparisons to him and Devin Booker a lot over the last few years. Devin Booker, two, three seasons ago, just got in phenomenal shape and has never left it. And I'm waiting for that to happen with Jamal, where he just gets into his peak shape and that just is where he exists. Devin Booker had, what, 44 last night and a shorthanded win, uh, a good shorthanded win against Sacramento. Like, Jamal, if he gets to that level, that's when I'm really going to start buying all of Denver championship stock.
0: Chris Morley says feels like Murray is 90% back. The two things missing are shot selection at times and late game shooting. He's gassed. Yeah. seems that that's a pretty good estimation. Uh, I thought Jamal would be about 75 to 80%. And he's a, I would agree 90%. He's ahead of where I thought he would be. I thought it would be, I thought particularly, I thought that the, field goal percentages like Murray's at 43.5 which isn't stellar and he's at 35.8 from three I thought those would probably be the the field goal percentages is about where I thought it would be um the three-point range, I probably thought it'd be 34 33 and so he's a little bit ahead of that just in terms of of um the shooting percentages for me it's it is a lot about it's interesting because you look at the overall, con- like the, the numbers are great because they tell you like, hey, this is still not what you would expect from Jamal Murray. When I watch him game by game, he looks much closer to it. And it's an interesting I question of like whether, you know, and maybe that's just based off of my expectations and the exaggeration of it over time. That's that's definitely possible. Um, there have been games where I thought that Jamal was really explosive. The conditioning, I think, is a great point where you can tell. Um, the conditioning on this team in general, I don't think is great. I just don't think the I don't think this team is in great shape. I mean, Honestly, I think
1: Aaron Gordon is like Aaron Gordon is in the best shape I've seen him in. I think yeah, yeah. Like I mean, Aaron's so been well. Aaron's been
0: awesome. Yeah, Bruce
1: Brown looks like he's. I mean, he could run for days. Somebody says here Adam Jamal had COVID. This was even before COVID, though. Like, this is not a post-COVID thing, even before. And by the way, I'm not being a hater here. Michael Malone in the post game, that's the thing he mentioned. It was like, hey, I just still don't think his conditioning is where it needs to be. So, yes, he gets a little bit of a pass because he did have COVID. He mentioned he was actually sick, so we know he battled it. But this predates even when he got sick. Like, this is how he came into the season. And by the way, when we talk about where he's back, the reason I would probably go a little below the 90% mark, if we look at his shooting at the rim this year, it's 62%. Last year, he was healthy, was at around 82%. He was mm. getting to the rim and finishing at a, at a higher rate than he is now. I think when you look at it, it's funny, his shot profile kind of indicates a guy coming back from ACL injury because he's getting shots in the mid-range and knocking them down at a higher clip than ever. He's a little hot from the mid-range. And I feel like that's kind of where you go when you're not quite ready to be comfortable enough taking a ton of threes and you're not quite comfortable enough getting to the rim. You settle a little bit more for the mid-range, which is what I think has happened so far. That being said... One of the things that was so encouraging about last night, and I'm really, it's a two game sample size is I felt like he was going to the basket more and finishing in the floater zone, finishing at the rim and just being creative around the basket, which was one of his hallmarks that creative finishing through traffic, spin moves. And you know, all of the creative things we saw in the bubble and, and, and afterwards,
0: I feel like one thing has happened is he, he's had a harder time. Escaping when the defense collapses either for a pass or figuring out how to get out of it. It seems like he's committed to things and then he's gotten in situations where he's just swallowed up by multiple defenders. And I don't know what, like what the answers are to that, but that, that to me seems like, and some of that may be some of the bench stuff too. Um, I can't contextualize it in my memory from whether that's with the starters or not. Um, Hurricane says just seems like he needs more NBA reps that, that tracks the, I think he's on I think he's I think it's hard to say he's behind where where you want to see him. And that's maybe the best thing to kind of say, right? Is that this hasn't been worse than expected. It hasn't dragged the team down. They're still second in the West. They're getting good good they're getting uh good games out of him. Um and he's still progressing. You're not like, oh yeah, it was awesome and then there's can only get worse from here. You know, it's there's there's a long Malone's right. There's a long pathway. Uh Malone's Murray's got a lot of runway in front of him this season. That's probably a good thing. No. Okay. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about uh, something that I asked Malone about defense yesterday. And I wanted to kind of share his thoughts on that. We'll talk about that when we come back. First, I got to tell you about LinkedIn jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. And you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available that's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Being able to get into the exact experience levels and exact type of fit that you want is so important when you're trying to hire because otherwise it's an arduous and painful process. Simple tools like screening questions, make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one in delivering quality hires, versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedonmba. That's linkedin.com slash lockedonmba to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We'll be right back here on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Tuesday. Your week's going well. Hope you're staying safe and warm in the snow. If you're here in Colorado, um, Adam, this week we're gonna have to talk. We're gonna have to have a, an MPJ discussion because I, would, for whatever reason, there's just like a lot of conversation going on amongst the fan base and just, about MPJ. Yeah, I, I, I think there's some some stuff we got. We're gonna have to talk about later in the week. Uh, but right now, what I want to talk about is defense. Okay. Yep. So before the game, <clears throat> I asked Michael Malone. Here's my view on. Malone, he comes from a good coaching tree when it comes to defense. They prioritize, and they've the coaches that he's worked under and with have been good defensive coaches. Malone clearly prioritizes it; it's where his focus wants to be. He is not a coach that stresses the offensive level, and uh, it is fair, I think, to ask. That, like the biggest criticism that I think lands on Malone is how can you be as dedicated and focused on defense? and not have produced a great one in Denver. I think that's a fair criticism of him. I still really much value what Malone thinks about the game. And I think that Malone, probably sometime in his career, his coaching career, will probably coach a great defense somewhere. Um, and so I want to get his, what I want to get his thoughts on was, I opened it up with a very direct question. Sometimes I overcomplicate my questions, and so I wanted to be very direct. And I said, are the are the are the defensive fundamentals the same in the NBA as they were 15 years ago? Now I know that that's not the case, but I wanted to see what he said, and he cut me off. Like he was like, no, he was, and he started to go, and like he wanted to talk about it, and he talked about how the biggest thing that he stressed was the NBA has made decisions in uh, pursuit of marketing the game and promoting it to emphasize the offense and make it harder on the defense. You want to enable these great scoring nights. You want to enable these great talents to show off. And uh, officiating is a lot of it. The game is also, you know, he made reference to the fact of just the three point line has a lot to do with it, where analytics, you've talked about this before, Adam, about how like you don't want the game to be solved. And analytics by its very nature is pursuing the most efficient path to success. Like its attempt is to solve it. It doesn't really, analytics doesn't approach the question of style or qualitative greatness or even necessarily problem solving it's simply trying to look at the game from a direct root of how do you achieve maximum efficiency and in doing so you're going to sacrifice um a number of things but one thing it does do is it puts a lot of stress on the defense i ask these questions because this boston celtics currently have a 120 offensive rating that's the highest in nba history ever But if you also look at numbers two through ten, they're all from 2020 to 2022. The entire top ten all time since we are able to track possessions, and of the top twenty, there is one team, the 1987 Lakers, that has not come since 2017. That's it. So we have this inflation that's kind of occurred. Um, You know, Vic Lombardi asked him about like, you know, is it grabbing is it pulling guys, and Malone kind of talked about how like no, it's more about like how you're able to approach guys and whether you can play, whether you can make contact without fouling. Cause that's possible. But in the NBA now, I think it's, he, I think he's right on this. It's not like you can just play physical defense and get whistled for it. If you're play, play, facing, especially certain players, even if you're not necessarily fouling them. And that change I think is, has really shifted things. And then finally I asked him, I was like, all right, when you watch the great defenses now, what do you see? That's right. That's a great follow up. And he said, they take away both the three-point oh, yeah. line and the rim. And what I thought was interesting is you specifically mentioned the Bucks, because the Bucs used to give up a ton of threes, and the Bucs this season have stopped over helping, which is still something that I see the Nuggets doing consistently. It's interesting that Mullen brought it up because that to me is is the Nuggets entirely. Like that's their that to me is their biggest problem outside of personnel. From a non-personnel standpoint, it's that they want to help down so much in pick and roll coverage that they are oftentimes on the they're overloaded on the strong side of the floor with the weak side corners guy wide open and teams are able to reverse it because they don't put enough pressure on the ball. And that causes a lot of issues. Um, And one of the things I I think I did kind of come away with, and we talked about this in the first segment, you're right. I, I think the desire from the team is there. I think that the nuggets have a handful of top level defenders, KCP, Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon, right? I also think that you're right that there's not a dedication from the team on that end. I think that there is also, even with those guys, I don't think the Nuggets have the personnel because when I look at the other top defenses in the league, they have the ability to run specific styles, schemes, and approaches that I don't think the Nuggets have one through five on the floor at any time. Even if they have those three on the court they're better when those three are on the court i even though i don't think those three have been phenomenal defensively this season yet they have the ability to um and so i just kind of wonder if you know we talked about the ability we we were i was higher on the the nuggets defensive upside based off of you know the personnel kind of combinations and i just kind of wonder if that's not going to be the case and the nuggets are going to have to get this done with a bottom 15 defense because of the combination of everything we kind of talked about The weird
1: thing thing is, their number one most used lineup, which, by the way, has Michael Porter, and it's their starting lineup with Michael Porter, that's the the lineup with the most minutes, has a 101.6 defensive rating, which is like elite, hyper elite. So to me, it's kind of interesting, because I would agree with you, except for that's not the lineup to me that has the personnel you're talking about.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's fair.
1: That's fair. And so I don't know what to make of that. (laughs) The thing that's weird about Denver, and it's a a Jokic trade as much as it's anything, is he seems to know when things are needed and when they're not and it can be very frustrating because you get first halves like the ones you got in Houston but you also tend to get really elite defensive stretches against even good offensive teams in short order and maybe that's the best you can hope for with this team I would bet if you gave Jokic truth serum and said can you be a top five defense he'd say no can you be a top five defense in the clutch he'd say yes and maybe that's the that's the best we're going to be able to hope for of Jokic and the Jokic led teams in the in this era I don't know um, I don't know if I'm ready to agree with you, though, about the defensive personnel thing. I just don't. You, and I want to go back because you actually made a lot of points in there that I kind of wanted to chime in on. The first one was Malone's – I hate romanticizing the past in any capacity. And Malone, anytime you ask him about defense, it's, ah, oh, well, they don't let you play anymore. Back in the day, guys wouldn't get layups. You'd put them on their ass, this, that. And I was like, that. Has, that's actually a non-pertinent comment to the question at hand. And what's really interesting about the question at hand, which is how do you defend in today's NBA? And then even saying you do both, you take away the paint in the rim. Also to me, not pertinent. How do you take away? That's like saying, how do you defend in today's NBA? You don't let them score. Okay, how do you not let a team score? Like you're telling me the final result, but how do you get there? What are the things that happen when you get there? And to me, this is one of the things that frustrates, and this is a small frustration with Malone, is he often talks about, the thing that he wants, and I always want to hear, how do you get there? What are the things that are getting there? Last night, it was funny to me because Houston gets up a lot of threes. That's why they offensive rebound. They don't have Dwight Howard in there grabbing boards. They don't have a bunch of these big bodies. It's Alpern shangun who doesn't jump. You know, it's uh, Jayshon Tate has been a guy who's like six six. He's their second best offensive rebounder. They get offensive rebounds because they shoot a lot of threes and they stretch you out. And when you're stretched out and scrambled, teams grab three pointers. So to me, these are the things that I know Michael Malone thinks about. I know I just would like to hear him talk about those things because to me, how do you get them to do both is the more interesting question, not that you need to do both. No, no kidding. You need to protect the rim of the three-point line. Of course, that's basketball. I thought, I thought it was a good good. good. Exchange. Um, I thought it was a good question. I'm telling you, I didn't enjoy the answer because I didn't think it was an illuminating one. They, yeah, I think the three point shot. Yeah, of course, that's basketball. This in the end, that's where the shots come from. They come. They're not coming from the mid range. they're coming from their paint and they're coming from the three point line.
0: One of the things I think that um, I think is is relevant in this discussion is the Nuggets' biggest problem has been point of attack, right? And I think that. He doesn't know how to challenge that after everything that he said. Cause like that's been their problem. That's been his frustration. He doesn't know how to get that message across. Because to me, that's is the, it a that, message. Uh, is to me, a- that's I- like to me, like that's the gap. Is I know,
1: but is it a message? What I'm saying, Matt, is is it a message or is it a thing that the team doesn't know how to do that you need to like get them to do that? That like we always hear these stories of a new coach comes in when they turn a defense around and it's like a point of emphasis that they were like, hey, we're attacking guys as ball hand like we're, we're meeting guys behind the three point line or whatever it is like there's some detail. And I always hear with and with Denver, it's like, yeah, it's point of attack defense. But again, you're talking about the problem, not the solution, not the route to getting there. So it's you, the you feel
0: you feel the lack of technique on that might be an issue. I don't know. I would love to hear what Michael Malone thinks
1: is the issue. And if it is that there's not a solution, it's just a problem. This is I've, the best example of this in the Malone era has been turnovers. And I've always said that the turnovers happen the most when the offense doesn't know what they're doing. And so you start to force things, right? And so he said, We, we got to cut down turnover. We got to cut down. And I would say, Well, yeah, but you're asking a, a unit that doesn't really have a cohesive identity or this or that to make something out of nothing. And turnovers to me are a byproduct of that. So, yes, turnovers are bad, some are sloppy, but can you figure out why a team consistently turns the ball over in specific situations? That's to me is how you diagnose the thing. So to me, it's the same thing with the with point of attack defense. I agree that point of attack defense is bad, but so many point of attack defenders have come through Denver and you're still having that issue. To me, there's probably something else that is not being addressed that that is probably leading to these problems. And to me, that's the interesting. Question:
0: um, John points this out I, or makes his comment. I also feel the Nuggets' scheme is just not as consistent or as good as the best defensive teams—Milwaukee, Boston, and Phoenix. I think this is where, like you and I, diverge. And it's okay for us to have different ideas about it. Um, I will say that, like Boston, Boston, Miami, and Phoenix switch a lot, which the Nuggets aren't capable of doing. And to me, we talked about you asked. You are talking about how do you how do you prevent those things from happening? And it's, that's where the, the point of attack gets in, right? If you don't have to collapse because your guy is containing on the perimeter, you're able to stay home.
1: Yeah, but, there, and, but like, games even against Oklahoma City was not pick and roll with Jokic at the top. Those were one-on-one attacks against you know, okay. a Bruce Brown or a KCP or this or that. Yeah. Like, so, I, I mean, I do agree with you that there's no... When I say this, I'm not... Malone is the one who is preaching the message to the media. But I'm not saying it's in particular a Malone problem. It might be. I don't know. It might be, hey, Giannis demands it of his guys, so that's what happens. Or maybe yeah. if, you know, I, I'm just saying there's something else that we're always looking at the problem and never looking at how it arrives there. And I don't know if that's because Michael Malone just doesn't want to share that with the media, or I don't know if it's just the way he thinks about these things. I suspect it's a little bit of both. But to me... There's too many guys that have come through for the perimeter defense to still be this porous.
0: Dominique says the fact that you had better defenders and have the, have the same result, it tells you it's a philosophy issue. I don't know if it's philosophy, though. It, yeah. could be a,
1: it could be detail. It could be a thing that, again, are you focused on the wrong thing and you're missing a yes. thing that would change it? I don't know. Is it a leadership issue on the court, the players? Yeah. It could be any of those things. I'm not trying to narrow it down. I'm more yeah. saying I don't like when it's constantly – Oh, it's the effort or oh, it's the this or that It's like, well, why does it keep happening when you swap guys out and it's the same problem?
0: Yeah, and I think that's a I think that's a relevant question, you know, and that's that that's at the heart of solving it, you know instead, because the problem the problem is it becomes about who's to blame, right? Like that's where the conversation goes is who's to blame for the defense being bad rather than a question of how do you solve it across across defensive assistant coaches, across uh, personnel across schemes—you have all these problems.
1: Who, yeah? Who do you think was the worst two defenders in the first half of last game? The Rockets game. No, yeah, the Rockets game. I think it's easy. I thought it was Jamal and Nicola. I agree. And so maybe it's that. Like, hey, we all talk about Jokic's leadership and oh, he gets everybody involved and he's but maybe it's as simple as. Those two, our leaders are bringing that energy and everybody else just matches it, whether consciously or subconsciously. Everyone just lowers their intensity level because they see those two. I don't know. I'm, this is why I'm not trying to when I'm talking about my criticism of Malone's response. I'm not saying it falls on Malone. I'm just saying it's not revealing of to me of what is likely the issue. All
0: right. right, going to wrap it up for Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit about MPJ. We'll uh, get you set for. The Nuggets next game. We'll talk about whatever else comes up in the news cycle. We'll do all that and more tomorrow on Locked on Nuggets. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you again next time.